0: You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. We are ready to go. It is Fireside Chats Without the Fires. This is our special episode that we really like to curate and develop for you, our audience, on the spotlight of the business of CX. And as they say, the third time's the charm. I believe this is the third time back, the third session that we've had together with our friends from Baird. We have two special guests, and if you haven't seen the first two, go back and listen and watch the first two. But here on the third time around, we have Dave Koenig, Senior Research Analyst, and Robbie Bamberger, Senior Research Associate, both from Baird. We're going to talk about the business of CX. Gentlemen, welcome back. We're really happy to have you. Thanks, Neil. It's great to be back. Awesome. So, you guys have been busy in the last month or so since we've spoken. There is a, the results of your quarterly survey have been released, the call center survey for Q3. I'd like you guys to go through that. And then we're going to talk about some earnings releases, same thing, Q3 earnings releases of two companies that you guys are tracking and following. And then I'm going to ask some other kind of more pointed questions. But again, the focus here is the business of CX, the business of customer experience. You guys are on the front lines of this thing. You have an angle and seat that many of us don't have or don't necessarily understand as well. So we're really looking forward to learning, continuing to learn from you. Tell us survey-wise with the survey that you guys so carefully put together and then published, What are we learning from that survey? Q3 survey results, what do they tell us?
1: Yeah. And maybe I'll let Robbie answer that one. And then I'll talk a little bit about the company's results because Robbie spends a lot of time writing that note. So you know he could maybe kick it off with that.
2: Yeah. So the survey was pretty solid. I mean, new sales activity appears to be very strong. It's really among the strongest we've had on record, which is great. And 100% of respondents said that they have improving year-over-year sales, which is great. And then volume also seems like in Q3, it's very similar to Q2. And With results, we're seeing that as well with the public companies coming out. So those are solid. But then also we asked a question around pricing, which I think is going to be something really interesting going into 2022. And just around pricing on around the employees and how much pricing is going to be a headwind into 2022. And four out of our six respondents said that pricing will be a headwind in 2022. But the interesting thing is, is whether or not they can offset this with their own pricing. And that's something that Dave can maybe go into on Task Us where they talked about that as well. They have some COLA contracts so that they can actually increase pricing. But that was something that came up in our survey that they do expect to have sort of pricing headwinds going into 2022.
0: Let's just level set here. So pricing, we're talking about the cost of labor or we're talking about the price that the BPOs pass on to their clients? We're really talking about both, but I think when you talk about one of them is a headwind, which one is
1: it? Yeah, that's a good question. And we talked to the companies about this too that reported both Telus and Taskus. And yeah, what's happening is the wage rates are going up. But the good news is most of the contracts, it sounds like right now, the price of living escalators, right? So that they're able to raise prices to offset the the cost of labor, basically, that's been rising. So I think it's going to be a little margin headwind across the industry. They were all pretty transparent about that, I would say.
0: But fortunately, there is
1: some room to charge more to the clients as well.
0: So if you're a big brand, or any brand for that matter, that utilizes outsourced contact center services to as a part of your CX strategy, in essence, what we're talking about is the cost of the labor the people that perform those jobs is getting more expensive, and therefore, the cost of the overall operation is likely going to increase. Is that correct?
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, wage inflation is definitely here, and it feels like it's here to stay now, unfortunately, for a while. Yeah.
0: By the way, as a BPO owner and operator, we are not immune to that. We certainly see the same thing. Regardless of what labor market you're in, it could be in the U.S., it could be in Latin America, it could be in Asia, it could be in Europe, it could be wherever. There is wage inflation across the board, right?
1: That's a really good observation. I would say India is the one place where we've talked to a lot of the providers out of India, and they said it's not that bad. And Part of why maybe is attrition's gone up. So because of the pyramid, the labor pyramid, if you have more people leaving, you can go back to the lower end quicker too. So they're just not seeing as much wage inflation in India. But part of it's because there's so many college graduates there. There's just so many people that the labor pool is a little more accessible, whereas the rest of the world, like you
0: mentioned, seems like wage inflation all over the place. Interesting. So India certainly has many wonderful assets and things that it offers. It also has its fair share of knocks, you know, that companies in the U.S. worry about when they're looking at India. But this is an interesting angle that many of our companies, many of our brands take another look at India because of the things you just mentioned. It may not be as exposed to the great resignation, the increase in in wage rates. Robbie, what else? anything else of note in the survey results that you've just published? Yes. So
2: the other question we asked was around digital channels and whether or not their exposure from pre-COVID is different than post-COVID. And essentially, they said that it has increased a little bit digital channels, but for the most part, it's relatively similar. Um, And that seems like something that definitely have an opportunity to increase going forward. But from our six respondents, they essentially noted it's gone up a little bit, but not a tremendous amount on that side
0: Got it. By the way, I'm so curious for the day that we stop talking about digital channels and other channels. I think we're going to get to the point that all channels are ultimately digital. Like the same thing with the term e-commerce. What do you mean e-commerce? Like isn't all commerce e-commerce? But I guess we're not exactly quite there yet. Okay. A question for you about the survey. I think it would be great. And we've tried to bang the drum for more participants from our audience in the survey. And I want to continue to do that off the top of your head. Do you have a lane for or how could Uh, Companies participate in the survey in their next Q4 survey if they wanted to.
2: Yeah, so we'll put out a link, a Survey Monkey, where they can just put their email in. We'll reach out to them, and we also will have the questions in that Survey Monkey so they could, it'll take two minutes for someone to fill out and submit it to us, and we'll be able to see it. But that should be on the podcast link, and also we can put it on our LinkedIn as well.
0: Got it. Yeah, Paul and I will make sure that we share that when we publish this episode. Perfect. Let's move on. So, Two of the important companies that you follow, well, Q3 results are out. Of those results, two of the important companies that you follow seem to have made some really important progress here. Which ones are they? Share a little bit about the specific type of progress and what we're talking about here. What are the KPIs or the metrics, and what were those results? Share those with us, please.
1: Yeah, I mean, the things that we often look at, revenue and profitability, are probably the two things that you know Wall Street just looks at at first. And Taskus crushed it. They grew revenue sixty three percent. They beat By probably close to 10%, they beat what most on Wall Street had expected. So they had a really good quarter. TELUS grew in the mid-teens organically, also very good. It was a little more in line with what people thought. So I'd say results, good. I would say across the board, on average, trends decelerated a little bit. Things have been so good for so long, and we're starting to get close to anniversary, meaning hitting the time last year when things started to get really good. So I would expect things to start to slow in terms of growth a little bit. The last thing to point out is employees because the employee trends are so important right now with wage inflation. I was actually surprised how good Tell Us, Task Us, and then even extending to Accenture and some of the others, how good the hiring, EXL service, right? The hiring was amazing for how hard it seems to be to get labor. Employee counts were up really nicely.
0: Got it. So Task Us and Tell Us, tell us are the companies that seem to have outpaced expectations, if that's a fair way to describe it. We're talking about earnings, right? Are you talking about earnings, earnings per share? We're talking about top line revenue. We're talking about profitability. We're talking about which metric or metrics?
1: In this market, revenue, I would say, is by far the most important, especially for growth companies, because Wall Street basically thinks of it as if you can grow revenue fast, you can get to the profitability at some point. The good news is, both companies tell us and task us also. Are very profitable. I think the margins, you know, are somewhere close to the mid 20s. I'd have to look back, but for this industry, the margins are super good. And part of that's because they're doing differentiated work in content and AI and those types of things that
0: naturally lift the margins. Sure. Those would go back to the term digital channels, right? Some of the, the non voice work, it can be higher margin or lo- certainly lower cost at least. Yeah, that's exactly right. Perfect. Okay, good. In some of your reporting, I read two terms that I want to ask you guys to clarify. So there were some companies you refer to as growth companies and others that you refer to as value companies. Could you help us understand the difference between the two? And maybe if you could give an example of a growth company versus a value company.
1: Yeah, well, every company wants to be a growth company. We typically think of growth companies as pretty sustainable revenue growth of 10% plus if we just throw all kind of rough numbers. Like, so across our whole group, we cover Visa, MasterCard. They would fit into that growth category. We would say tell us and task us certainly growth companies. And then historically value companies, we would have normally said, you know, GenPack, maybe would be a little more of a value company growing six to 8% over time. But those are often lower multiple, right? People don't have to pay as much to get those companies and to buy those companies. But that's the distinction, basically.
0: Got it. I like it. That's very helpful. I want to wrap this session up with a, Kind of personal, more specific example. I love the reporting and data that Baird publishes and shares and pushes out to people like me that follow it. By the way, I believe that to get access to your reporting, I don't think there's any cost to it. It's free. It's just you need to register. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: We allow anybody who's actively in dialogues with us, like, you know we're happy. We're happy to give it away for free. It generally is either our clients or those who are active participants in the industry that, that we dialogue with. So yeah, we're generally happy to give it. Anybody that listens to this podcast that wants to be willing to just you know connect at different times, very happy to give
0: it away. Great. Thank you for that. And I, I got to say, it, it's extremely valuable. I take the time to read it. I read it in batches. I may not read. So there's a decent flow of of email updates and reports, and I will chunk it out. I'll read, one day I'll read three or four different reports and and get caught up for the week or for the two-week period. I really enjoy it. But one of the things that I think is unique about you guys is you integrate and weave in personal stories from the two of you or from other people that you may be in contact with. Robbie had a digital experience that apparently was certainly worth writing about and sharing. Robbie, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Share with us, if you wouldn't mind, what that was and why it was so relevant.
2: Yeah, I'd say Curb, the app Curb. It's a new app, essentially provides legacy cabs, and it's now all on, on an app. So it's really gone full circle. One of my friends told me about it. He said, during peak times, use this app Curb, and you can get you know 50% off of what Uber and Lyft are. Essentially, it's the exact same thing as Uber and Lyft, but really bringing the taxi cabs back into it. So you're taking the legacy companies, and it's, it's going full circle. So I downloaded the app and was able to, during peak times, instead of paying $30 to go from three miles from my apartment, cost me $10 on curb So it shows that innovation, you can still innovate with legacy companies. I think that's really important. And that if you're able to see what's going on with the, the highly innovative companies like Uber and Lyft, and then you sort of emulate the same process, um, you're going to pick up market share if you have good pricing. So that's exactly what happened. But when I got the app, there's still some glitches with it because I saw my cab fly over a few different buildings on the way to my apartment. So I definitely think that there's some opportunity for for some increased UI and interface work there. But it'll get there. And as long as pricing stays a little bit lower than Uber and Lyft, I'm good to use it.
0: That's great. So user experience is good. Customer experience doesn't sound like you had a problem. You didn't have to report to customer care but it sounds like at least the experience of using it was easy, low effort. They mostly did what they promised, correct?
2: Yes. They mostly did what they promised. They also gave me the phone number so I could call the person. The first one didn't end up coming, but was able to get the second person to come. And I was worth, it was worth waiting a little bit to pay $20 less on my ride. So.
0: Yeah. So to be honest here, have you used it only once or have you become a repeat user?
2: I've become a repeat user, especially because if you tell other people about it, you get $5 off as well. So every time you refer someone else, you get $5. But it also is just typically during surge times when I'm leaving my apartment. It's expensive for Uber and Lyft right now. So that's why I've uh, tended to use Curb.
0: Got it. This is great. So the reason I asked you is because I like to talk about metrics in the business of CX, which are cost of acquisition. Right, cost of customer acquisition. And then more importantly, I think the customer lifetime value, which essentially takes the revenues that are generated by you, the customer, and subtracts out the costs it takes to acquire you and service you. And it looks at that over the estimated lifetime. So it sounds like whatever it was that they paid to acquire you, they've now made you a a permanent, but at least you've used it more than one time and they may have hope with you yet.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, definitely for companies like Square that we also cover, you look at that cash app and they talk exactly about that same exact thing. You have that long-term value to cost of acquisition. And as long as that's a, over time, you get multiple uses and it covers, you know, it might be a net negative profit initially, but if they keep coming to you 10 times, 15 times, and then that, you know, that fixed cost goes away and essentially it's just becomes variable and you're able to sort of overcome those initial costs and the value becomes you know, really good to the user and to the company.
0: And for
1: what it's worth, I'm an ardent reader of 10Qs. So are Robbie and Patrick. You know, We love reading that bedtime reading, 10Qs, SEC filings. But Square's marketing cost last quarter was 47% of their cash app revenue. So they're spending about half of every dollar they get just on marketing. And that gets back to the whole experience, right? And Taskus talks about the same thing. Their type of clients, those fast growth internet type companies are so willing to spend a lot and are less price sensitive even to Taskus because they know if we can give a good experience and win clients that way, they'll probably be clients for a long, long time. So it seems like those companies on the West Coast have kind of figured that out in the right way.
2: They're also doing something interesting, Taskus. And and going in with venture capital firms, so they're trying to start out with VC funds and then with their the companies under the VCs, if they start off super early with companies with just five employees, they have this this new offering that they think that if they're going to end up growing a ton and they start off very small, then over time, that's going to start a low base and really help growth if they can start with the really small companies.
0: That is interesting distribution channel for them on the sales side. Good one. It's a good thought. All right, final question for you guys, and we're going to wrap up. So, here we are at the beginning, or really just shy of mid November. The year is ending. What is in the crystal ball for the rest of this calendar year? If anything, by the way, maybe nothing new to look forward to, but is there anything we should look forward to as we wrap up 2021? I mean, it,
1: it's interesting from a stock market perspective. We've had another absolutely crushing year. The SP earnings growth, the average company out there is going to grow earnings 45% or something like that. I mean, these are the type of economies we can only dream of having, you know, a couple of times in our life, maybe. So it's, it's impressive. You know, my personal thought is like people love the market right now. There's a lot of cash. It probably keeps going up. Maybe next year we hit tougher comps, right? The customer care CX industry hits tougher comps after a massive year. So, you know, growth will probably be slower, but yeah, it's hard to know. But I think the stock market probably keeps kind of grinding higher the rest of the year. Nice.
0: Robbie, what about you? What do you think?
1: Yeah,
2: I agree with that. And, That's something interesting, too, that just inflation came out yesterday at 6%. So that's something that we definitely need to look into. And over time, the market multiple, if inflation goes up a ton, could come back a little bit. But if wages keep increasing and keeps creating the spending power for people, it'll flow back into the companies and that will fuel earnings growth and revenue growth over time. So I find that interesting and something that they also talked about on the call center call center earnings. And along with that, I'd say for the people listening, yeah, try to put in those COLA escalators into your contracts, So that will help you over time because Taskus is able to do it. And they said it's a lot easier for them to go to their clients now and essentially say, we want a little bit higher raises for next year because of all of these wage pressures going on. So you know, they say their clients are more willing to do it than ever. Um, and I think that's something that is a good takeaway for the people listening as well.
0: That's an outstanding point. And I will tell you anecdotally in my own business, again, BPO, owner and operator, as we negotiate contracts with new clients, we're certainly adding all those cost of living adjustment clauses into contracts and going back and adding them into contracts with clients that we might not have originally included in. Very valuable point. And we're, we're on it and couldn't agree more. You have to do it. Otherwise, you're you're automatically whatever it is, four, five, 6% behind every year.
1: And if I might add two other points just on the stock market, number one is inflation also drives revenue growth higher. The stock market loves revenue growth. The stock market doesn't love inflation in general, but they love revenue growth. And that still is winning the day. Number two is bond yields are super low. So if you are only getting 1% on a bond yield, but can get 5% on the market and stocks tend to grow over time, bonds you know are kind of flat. So I think that's all fueling. When you have really low bond rates, people love to buy the market that tends to grow. So that's part of why it probably keeps going up. Super.
0: All right. Here it is. We're going to have you back at some point. We're going to schedule it. Hopefully you guys are going to agree to come back, share the wealth, share the knowledge, share the insights. This is an incredibly beneficial moment in time that we get to spend with you once a month. We thank you for sharing the insights with us. Keep doing what you're doing. We're going to look forward to following and continuing to learn from you guys. Happy Thanksgiving in advance. U.S. Thanksgiving for our U.S. audience. And once again, thank you. We really appreciate it. Dave and Robbie from Baird. And by the way, audience, remember, you will see when this gets published. Make sure to click on the link to participate in their quarterly survey. Guys, thank you so much once again. Really enjoyed it. Thanks,
1: Neil. Thanks, Neil.
0: The episode is over, but the conversation continues. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience. To get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at chatsfires or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.